Hello, and welcome to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael, Jr., a podcast dedicated to widely dividing the word of truth. And now your host, Dean Carmichael, Jr. All right, this is Bible Questions and Answers podcast. We are returning, looking here at the Antichrist, and this is, as I mentioned in our last podcast, this is the most asked question in regards to the book of Revelation. So this is Dean Carmichael. Back with us again is our good friend, Dr. Brandon DuPont. Brother Brandon, nice to have you, sir. I appreciate it. It's always being here, always a privilege. And, you know, uh, before we get started, if I'm not mistaken, you're actually, you're you're going through the book of Revelation, I believe, in a Bible study at your church, correct? We are. We're going through it on Wednesday nights. We're actually, uh, the funny thing is, we are right here looking um, not only at the Antichrist, but we just started looking at the false prophet last week. So we are right here in the middle of uh, what we're looking at tonight. So, so we're, we're, we're real excited for this one. And again, I'm glad to have Dr. DuPont with us. And um, as I mentioned, as, as we've been talking about, these are the, the seven personalities we've, we've talked about, the woman, uh, the, the nation of Israel there. We talked about the child, talked about the dragon, and we, we've seen the remnant, the, the, the archangel. Now we're coming up on the beast out of the, the sea. And he, Dr. DuPont just mentioned the false prophet as well, and we'll, we'll, we'll get on him next time. But the beast out of the sea, we look here in Revelation chapter number 13, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses. And the main question that I'm getting is just around who is the Antichrist? And some want to know, obviously, more about him. But the, the main the main question is is who is it, and the the answer to that is 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 we, we don't know honestly who it is, but the Bible does give us right much about the Antichrist. I will tell you, um, the now the false prophet you, we get details about him, but not nearly as much as we do about the Antichrist. There's a lot about the Antichrist. So let me let me read this here. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. This is very important. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power in his seat and great authority. And just to pause there, that dragon meaning Satan, just like you have a heavenly trinity, you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you also have a satanic trinity. And that's what these three, these three personages here are. You have the dragon, which is Satan, you have the, the um, Antichrist, and you have the false prophet. Those are your, that's your satanic trinity. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? 
And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. And then verse number 10, it says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So, again, a lot there. Just going back at our study with these, these seven different characters in the book of Revelation, this is probably the most about one of the individuals. There's a lot here. So, Dr. DuPont, if you would, talk to us about these uh, these these 10 verses here and if you would just kind of uh, talk to us a little bit about the antichrist as a whole there absolutely what we see with this as you have already mentioned is it is the unholy trinity that you have the dragon the antichrist the false prophet being uh, the dragon being anti-type of god the father the the false prophet being an anti-type of the holy spirit and obviously the antichrist uh, being the anti-type of of christ himself there when you look at this, it has to be remembered that when we see this, Satan does not have the power to create. He has the power to counterfeit. And what we are seeing is a counterfeit from that. Everything he is doing is a, a, a attempt to be like God. And when I look back in Isaiah 14, in verse number 14, I want to read there that verses 12 down through verse 17 speak of the original state of Lucifer, how he was uh, the bright and morning star, how he was something of, of great power and prestige. Um, most Bible scholars hold him to be second only to uh, the Trinity and power and authority. But when you look at it, he makes a statement in verse 14 or a statement is made, I will be like the most high. Okay, His desire has always been to be like God. And in doing that, again, it's not even a desire to be above God. He wants to be like God. He wants to receive the praise that God, God alone is worthy of. And in doing that, we see here again the, the attempt to counterfeit that, that very uh, Trinity that we see, the, the Holy Trinity. When we look at him, um, several things stand out there. You look at the seven heads, the ten horns, the ten crowns there. The crowns, uh, I want to sit, sit on for just a few minutes. There's a lot of details that unfortunately... Uh, time won't allow us to go into uh, to elaborate and expound on each one of them. But when you look at the 10 crowns there, what you are looking at rulers, uh, most people believe political leaders, possibly 10 kingdoms uh, that will come together and that will be under the authority of the Antichrist. What we can gather from this and what we can stand on pretty dogmatically with it is that the Antichrist is going to be a political leader. He's going to be the instrument that is used to bring in a one world, to usher in a one world government. And that is something that we see that we are moving towards there. If you look, even a lot of the subtlety that we see going on today, where you're looking and seeing much more of the, the paperless currency that is going on there, you're looking to get rid of uh, the individual nation's money and, and kind of to, to make everything universal, that's setting the stage. That None of that is happening by accident. That's setting the stage for what we're going to see. And the Antichrist is going to be able to do something as a political leader that no other leader has ever done. And what he does, what he's going to be able to do 
is he is going to uh, the, his action. And we'll, I'll get into that in just a second. But this action is going to exalt him to a place where he is recognized, where people say this has got to be the Messiah. And, and I want to expound for just a few minutes. I'll turn things back over uh, to you there. But I want to expound for just a minute on how important this is, because it ties together uh, much of, of what we see in the Gospels there with what is taking place, with what Christ has already said. But what he will do, he'll be able to do, is he will be able to bring a false peace. Remember that in the first three and a half years of that tribulation, it will be a false peace, a false covenant will be established there. And he will be able to bring a false peace treaty between the Jews and between the uh, the Muslims and the Arab countries and things like that, that have never been, that's, that's never been able to be done. Um, there's always been war between those countries, between, if you think all the way back to Ishmael and Isaac there, there's always been a division between those two and there will continue to be so until this antichrist comes and sets up that false peace and in doing so what he's going to accomplish uh, is is again what no other political leader has ever been able to accomplish the reestablishing uh, of the revised roman empire as we go in more and more into the book of revelation but he'll bring this peace and again this this false peace i should say and it will exalt him to a place of great authority now that is something that is of, of tremendous importance because remember when Christ first came to the earth, when, when Christ first came, it's not that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't know uh, about the, the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies. It's not that they were ignorant to those prophecies. As a matter of fact, when you look and you see where uh, Caesar had called him in, you look and see several of the others and said, you know, where's the Christ to be born? They said, he's, you know, they quoted to him Micah 5 2. They were understanding that. But what they were looking for, all right, was not a, a spiritual leader. They were not looking for a sacrifice, one to come and die in their place, a substitute. They were looking for a political leader. They wanted someone to exalt the nation of Israel back to the original state under the times of David and under the time of Solomon. They wanted someone to break them out from underneath the Roman bondage. They did not feel like they needed a substitute. They felt like they were religiously elite from all the rest there and that they they didn't need a savior that everyone else needed a savior. And we see that several times with the comments of the Pharisees. We have Abraham as our father, uh, speaking of, the, of coming from the, the promise there, the Abrahamic covenant. All of those things were great responses of pride. They were looking for a political leader. And that is exactly what the Antichrist is going to come and do. He's going to be the exact opposite. Uh, again, everything is, is counterfeit of Christ there where the book of Isaiah tells us that he had no form nor comeliness. Physically speaking, Christ was not anything to look upon there. The Antichrist is going to be somebody that when he comes uh, is going to be, he is going to be the textbook definition, if I can use that phrase, of what a nation, especially a fallen nation or a lost nation, would look for in a leader. Strong, uh, handsome, intelligent, brilliant when they speak. They're able to move multitudes when they speak. He's going to have all of that, and he's going to be able to use that in such a way that he compiles together and brings together the multitudes. The, the scripture there that you just read talks about him being a lion, talks about uh, the bear, the leopard. All three of these give reference to uh, three of the four Gentile world powers, to Babylon, to Medo, Persia, to Greece. And, and by combining these, what it is saying is that uh, even the greatness of those countries of those of those world powers will pale in comparison to this man. He's going to be a combination 
of all of them. And, and again, what we see is a tremendous uh, political leader that's going to come onto the scene. Very political. He'll be very, very powerful. He'll also be the most perverted man to ever walk the face of the earth. And going back to Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, and I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And you just alluded to it about the false peace that comes after or along with him. But soon after, he's the four, he, he's one of the, the four horsemen. And as soon as that, that white horse, the next horse is a red horse, which represents war. And that shows that the rider of Revelation chapter six is not the same rider of the white horse of Revelation chapter 19. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, that is the glorious second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When he comes back, there will be real peace. But here in Revelation chapter 6, verse number 2, which you were referring to, this Antichrist, he's coming in the form. He's a false Christ. He's a, a, a copycat, if you will, a, a fraud. He's going to try to bring a, a false peace, and, and people are just going to, uh, they're going to look to him, and he's going to have all these attributes. And the thing about him, he'll, uh, you, you were talking about the, the ten horns there and, and uh, really about the, the, the revived, um, the, 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 that ten horn confederation, and he's going to have all these nations with him. And he's going to go against God's chosen people. Now, Antichrist, there's a lot about him. Uh, there's definitely a contrast with him and in Christ uh, throughout the Bible. So you have really it's a contrast of of Christ who comes in the image of God. The Antichrist comes in the image of Satan. We talked about it earlier. Christ, he is the the second person of of the Trinity. The Antichrist is there's there's Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So he's the second person there in the hellish trinity. Christ came down from heaven. Antichrist comes up from the abyss. There, it, it's just a it, it's a contrast. Christ receives his power from the Father. The Antichrist he receives his power from the dragon, who's Satan. Christ is resurrected from the dead. The Antichrist he'll experience something. Uh, maybe it's a fake one. We don't know. We talk about that damaged head there earlier. That may refer to some miracle or, or something. Uh, Christ receives worship from believers. The Antichrist, he's going to receive worship from un unbelievers. So uh, there's definitely a contrast there, but that's exactly what he is. He's an Antichrist. Um, Christ will one day glorify his bride. The Antichrist will actually kill uh, the the harlot, which is um, the, the false religion there. So first three and a half years will be his rise. The last three and a half years, God will give him control of the earth. Uh, that'll be seven years. But those last three and a half years is when he's going to be given total control. Um, he'll rule the entire world, people, nations, religions, the economy, um, 
he he's going to have there's going to be a lot of deception, a lot of terror, a lot of persecution. But just going back to the main thing about the questions that are being asked about the Antichrist. And one thing that everyone has to understand, and one of the rules for this podcast is always compare scripture with scripture. So in this podcast, we have had some really good conversations, I believe, around the different viewpoints of the tribulation and the millennium. And on this podcast, we take the position that we are pre-trib and we're pre-millennial. And what that means is looking at the Bible, it's very clear. We believe that when you compare scripture with scripture, that God clearly tells us that he's going to come back for his church before this tribulation period takes place. So as we're describing this, this awful, horrible individual, please keep in mind the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, will not be on earth when this Antichrist is, is reigning. Now, does that mean that he's not on earth right now? Honestly, he, he could be. We, we don't know but he's not going to rise to fame or anything. The church is going to be gone, okay? Because we got to understand something here. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God is restraining him. So he cannot come into any power whatsoever. Uh, there's, uh, there's nothing he can do there. So no, no, no power from the Antichrist because when the rapture of the church takes place, when we go up, the Holy Spirit goes with us. And now there's nothing restraining the Antichrist and preventing him um, from, from his power there. So uh, Revelation 19.11, what I was referring to earlier, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Uh, now that is not the same rider of the horse we read about earlier in Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6 is referring to the Antichrist. He is going forth to, to conquer. He, he's, he's got a, this false peace. He's, a, he, 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 he's, he's a, a fake, a phony. But here in Revelation 19, 11 through 15, it says, His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a, a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. Now that is at the Battle of Armageddon. That's the glorious second coming of Jesus Christ. And that is where two of the three of the satanic trinity will actually be destroyed where the uh, false prophet and the Antichrist uh, will be cast into the lake of fire, uh, but, but the devil will be put into the bottomless pit there and then loosed afterward after the thousand-year millennial reign. But that's, that's the doom of the Antichrist. Um, he, he'll be thrown into the lake of the fire uh, at, the in, at the Battle of Armageddon there. So, uh, Dr. DuPont, anything else on the, the Antichrist? Yes, sir. I wanted to add, you had made uh, mention of several things. One, that, that 
uh, several of the people that have asked uh, were wanting to know who the Antichrist was. And then you had made mention also of him being uh, very perverted. Tying that back in, I, I want to look at, again, comparing scripture with scripture. I want to look at one verse from Daniel. When you look at chapter um, 11 and verse number 37, it says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor desire women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Looking at that, um, we, we can draw several things. I personally hold to the belief that the Antichrist will have to be of Jewish descent. Uh, reason being, I find it hard to believe, uh, hard pressed to believe, especially that any Orthodox Jew is going to receive a Messiah, uh, a believe in, uh, a believed Messiah that is not of Jewish nationality, um, or at least uh, at least pretend to be of Jewish nationality. And the reason for that is because most of your Jews, like I said, very, very prideful people, uh, they know the scripture. They know the Old Testament, that the Messiah was to come uh, from, you look at the, the lineage of, of Abraham, there's physically speaking, he was going to be uh, of the seed of Abraham and of the seed of, of David there, of the seed of David, making him an heir to the king, the, the Daviatic covenant in Second Samuel chapter 7, the heir to uh, being of the seed of Abraham, making him an heir to the promise there uh, of the Abrahamic covenant that is established in uh, Genesis 12, Genesis 13, 15. Uh, we look at those things. I believe he's going to have to be of that Jewish descent. Now, a statement, a very uh, odd statement, I should say. I don't, I don't know if I'd say odd is the right word for it, but a, a statement that stands out to us is when it says that neither shall he uh, nor desire the desire of women. Some have held to the standpoint that this Antichrist is going to be homosexual. Now, whether that's the case or whether he just has no regard or no time for anything physical, simply coming um, with his mission and, and completely mission-minded as far as the uh, reestablishing of the, the Roman Empire, the, the ruling of the world, the establishing of the kingdoms, whatever the case may be, uh, we, we see that, again, Society is very, very quickly getting to the place where all of this is, uh, could happen at any moment. You had made the statement, is the Antichrist among us today? We, we don't know, but we have to understand that when the church is raptured, uh, I believe you, you see that the tribulation period immediately start after the rapture of the church or very shortly after the rapture of the church, you're not going to, this is a seven-year period. It's not going, there's not going to be time for an antichrist, uh, a seed of Satan, so to speak, to be born, grow up, and then come into power, he's going to have to be among people uh, at that time. He's just, like you said, being restrained. That power will be given to him, that authority, and he'll basically, as soon as the church is out of the way, there's going to be, remember, that there's going to be mass chaos. Millions in the rapture are going to be taken very quickly in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, there will be many who will look in, in, in great wonder uh, great chaos, great panic. What has happened? Where's everybody gone? And this guy's going to come and he'll be able to establish himself. Like I said, very, very smoothly, very uh, intelligent, come in there and be able to calm the masses and the multitude and to deceive and distract them from what is really taking place. As the book of Second Thessalonians tells us, with all deceivableness and unrighteousness, they'll, they'll believe a lie. They'll see this. They'll understand this. And they will readily accept this man. So there's, there's several things, like I said, that really stand out. When it says he exalts himself, 
that again ties us back in, in Daniel 7. That ties us back to the, the Gospels where Christ himself said, if I come in the name of another, if, if someone else comes or if, if one comes in their own name, you'll receive him. But me coming in my father's name, you don't receive me. Now I'm paraphrasing that. But again, if, if one comes in their own name and it says right there, he will exalt himself. Uh, again, that's tying in point of the Antichrist. He's speaking to the Jews. That was a statement, I believe, the Gospel of Matthew, which is a primarily Jewish book. They, they will reject the true Messiah, but they'll receive the Antichrist. Because what they're looking for, again, is one that fits a certain bill, one that, that will come uh, in that political realm, that, that uh, leadership role that they will immediately grab and say, yes, this has got to be our guy kind of thing. So all of that, again, none of it is, is without interpretation. None of it is without uh, the, the prophetic proclamation of God. All of it is tied together. And all of it flows there. The, the scripture compares it and it does not contradict itself. So there's really, though we can't look and say, okay, this person right here is the Antichrist. We can understand and we can look and we can see what is lining up and what is pointing towards uh, the, the person of the Antichrist. Absolutely. And I like what H.L. Wilmington says. He, he gives 10, 10 main reasons of how the Antichrist is able to, to, to rise up in power. And obviously through the power of Satan, he's got through the permission of the Holy Spirit, referring to what we were talking about, how right now he would be restrained, but when the Holy Spirit goes up with us, that he would then have that, that, that free right away. But also moving on, we, we talked about this, but through the formation of the 10 nation organization, um, you know, the revived Roman empire, uh, but then talking about some, some other things uh, that, that we haven't really touched on yet, but just through the, the cooperation of the false religious system. And you can turn to Revelation 17. We'll get into that later on. Also, he'll be very charismatic um, through a false or a real resurrection. I mentioned that earlier, uh, but also a, a false peace program. And, and that is what Revelation 6, 2 is talking about. He's on that white horse and those, those four horsemen there. And then just going back to how Satan got Eve in the garden, and that's through a master plan of deception and trickery and, and just how he's going to, um, I mean, really he'll turn on Israel there, uh, but that's how he's going to, to, to raise to fame, his, his rise to fame. So a lot there. I know we weren't able to go too, too deep into this, uh, but I think as far as answering just the main details, and honestly, it, you're not, we're not going to be able to finish the book of Revelation without mentioning the Antichrist again. We're, we're going to have to mention him, especially now that we're going to be talking about the false prophet, but then also the religious system, how the false religious system is destroyed, and his his rule, the remaining judgments, the battle of Armageddon, all of that is definitely, there's going to be a lot more about the Antichrist with, with those subjects as well. So with that being said, uh, Dr. DuPont, any anything else you want to say before we, we uh, wrap up? No, sir. I think... Uh, I think we definitely 
um, summarized this one good. And, and thank you everyone for your questions. It was, it was good to see, especially early on. I do apologize for, for not getting back immediately. That's the thing about some of these. Um, the, the questions are asked all kind of at the same time and I kind of plan them out in a series. Uh, but, but anyway, thank you for being patient. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to, uh, to, to go over this. But on behalf of myself and Dr. Brandon DuPont, um, send us an email, send us your questions to qabible at outlook.com and we will be sure to answer those questions for you. And if it is within this topic, we may even uh, feature it on the next podcast. So until next time, may the Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael Jr. Now, you can email your Bible questions to qabible at outlook.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, B-I-B-L-E at Outlook.com.